Welcome to Fast Fiction, where we aim to intrigue, inspire, or entertain. It's just a matter of ethics. The pastoral care officer for Blackheath Hostel for the Aged said the same thing every year, and, as usual, the nurses would nod their heads in agreement. The balance of life and death, pain and suffering, all this was a sensitive area, and Matron Harris made sure there was a talk on professional standards at least once a year just to clear up any grey areas. Nurse Mary Robbins had never had any problem with the grey area of nursing. She had always known exactly what to do. Occasionally the timing was a little perplexing, but she had no problem with that either right now. She looked down at the sleeping form of Jack Rails and noted his laboured breathing. His pot belly was flattened by his recumbent position, but his wizened old face looked quite handsome. Every now and then a slight frown furrowed his brow as a tremor of pain swept through his frail old body. Mary picked up his chart and studied it closely once more. Then she got out the syringe and carefully measured out the medication. With one deft movement, she inserted the needle into the bruised vein as smoothly as she could. The old man pulled back slightly from the intrusion of the sharp jab, his eyelids fluttering on the borderline of consciousness. There, there, old timer. It's all right. Everything's fine. Mary held his hand in hers and with the other tenderly stroked his forehead. Then, as the final breath of life escaped him, she gently let it go. Goodbye, Jack. Pleasant journey. Picking up her things, she left the sparsely furnished bedroom and retraced her way back to the staff room. Occasionally, she looked into other bedrooms, adjusting bed covers, putting off lights, and now and then murmuring words of advice to a restless insomniac. Still awake, Mr. Baloney? Oh, goodness. Still unpacking, Mrs. Dawson. Why don't we do that tomorrow? It was almost 3am. She would be off duty in a couple of hours, just in time to go home with the dawn, the graveyard shift. Back in the staff room, Mary made herself a cup of coffee and sat down at the cluttered desk to make her entries into the day book. She was nearly finished an hour later, when Linda Evans came in for the takeover shift. Mary exchanged a few pleasantries and a brief verbal report. Now let's see... Mrs. Blake. Now, she was incontinent, so I gave her a sponge bath and change. Mr. Maloney was restless, so I gave him a small dose of Nembutal and chatted with him a while. (laughs) He'll probably make up for any lack of sleep later in the church service tomorrow. The new resident, Mrs. Dawson, well, she was still awake at 2.15. She's probably still excited at settling in. I let her watch one of those old late-night television movies in bed. It's all documented. Nothing else of any consequence. Have a pleasant day, Linda, and I'll see you on Monday. The sun was up by the time Mary got home to her small unit in the eastern suburbs. She was weary with physical fatigue and hungry, but Mary didn't mind the hard work or odd hours. She enjoyed nursing. She had a special compassion for the elderly. For the most part, they were so courteous and grateful for everything you did for them. It was only when they were really sick and in pain she got upset. Like Jack Rails. 
He had been living in the home a number of years when Mary had arrived some five years earlier. At that time, he had been quite active doing odd gardening or handyman jobs and was always a perfect gentleman. Then, about four months ago, he had slipped on some loose gravel and broken his hip. It had taken a long time to heal and all sorts of complications had set in. So, after his return from hospital, arrangements had commenced to send him off to palliative care to wait for the end. It would be a lonely existence with neither independence nor friends. Mary had told her mum all about it on one of her days off when they were having afternoon tea. Poor old fellow. He's had a pretty miserable life by all accounts. Grew up what they called a bastard child in the Depression until his single mother gave him up to one of those church institutions. Then when he got older they found he had a speech impediment. Oh, nothing really bad. But you have to have patience to understand what he says. And I don't expect he's got much of that in any of the homes he grew up in. No, dear. Time was precious in those days, said Mary's mother, thinking of her own childhood. He was lodged with a property far out west. He was a jackaroo. He was still in his early teens and apparently he hated it. There would have been few around with any interest in him. Life would have been tough out there. Life was tough everywhere, dear, agreed Mary's mother, popping a chocolate biscuit into her mouth. So let's have another cup of tea. Mary poured the tea and went on with her story. I guess there would have been few options for change, and young Jack stayed with people he didn't like, doing work he wasn't good at, and moved from youth to middle age, without knowing the difference. Then, one hot summer, one of those dreadful bushfires broke out, taking everything in its path. The property owner and his wife had died. Jack obviously survived, but with a collapsed lung as a memento. By then, he was too old to be considered retraining, so, although still comparatively young, he became registered in what was then a newly formed nursing hostel for the aged. He's been here for the last 15 years as friendless now as he was during the former part of his life. I've always had a soft spot for him, and he's always been pitifully grateful for any little chats or special time I can give him. And I'm grateful for your time too, dear. Mary showered, then, as the first rays of morning sun whispered over the treetops, settled down with the newspaper and a spot of breakfast. She stretched luxuriously, thinking of the few days' rest ahead. Today looked as if it might be hot, so she might take Mum for a trip to the local air-conditioned shopping complex. Maybe they could stop off at the Chocolate Nest and get one of those lovely mocha milkshakes Mum liked so much. On the way, she would drop into the church and light a candle for Jack. She would spend a few minutes thinking of the good moments he had enjoyed in life and praying for his soul in death. This was a routine she always found comforting. But even as she was preparing for her small shopping expedition, the wheels of motion had been churning at Blackheath at a rather alarming rate and things were not to proceed in the way Mary had envisaged. Being new, Nurse Linda had panicked a little when finding a corpse in her early morning schedule. She had immediately woken the relief matron on call for that night. 
This good lady was a stickler for doing things promptly, so I'd instantly run the home's doctor. He was rather annoyed at being disturbed so early in the morning, and had grumbled all through the routine examination of the body and the signing of the death certificate. The next of kin were checked on the resident profile form, and failing to find any, the funeral director was next sought, with a view to relocate the body as quickly as possible. By the time Matron Harris came on duty just before lunch, it was time to arrange for legal representation to be present for the disposal of any personal effects. Just after midday, she and Mr Stanley Wilkins, the home's attorney, were installed in Jack Rail's room, going through the few papers and possessions the old man had accrued throughout his lifetime. On the other side of town, Mary was ushering her mother into the cafe where they could sit beneath the cool fan. Tea or coffee. And the special of the day is angel food, devil's chocolate or mud cake. What would you like, Mum? How about we get a little dirty with some mud cake? Oh, Mary, love, they do come up with some fun names these days, don't they? Yes, why don't we be wicked? Let's have a mud cake. Squealed her mother, delighted with the luscious dessert covered with whipped cream. Back at Blackheath... Matron Harris and Stanley Wilkins were making some surprising discoveries. Jack Rails was found to have banked a considerable sum of money some 16 years before. With no known relatives, this could prove a problem. But a further, more careful search of the old man's things disclosed that three years ago, a will had been lodged with his bank manager. In a clumsy, but nevertheless quite legible hand, it had read, I, Jack Rails." being of sound mind and body, do nominate Nurse Mary Robbins as my sole beneficiary as a small token of appreciation for all the many kindness she has shown me over the years. At first, outside of the money, there didn't appear to be anything of value, but the sharp-eyed lawyer had taken stock of the shabby old watch Jack had always sported and would never take off. I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't real gold, he had said on first examining it. Even more strange, closer examination proved the watch had an inscription on the back. To my loving husband, Peter. It was all very puzzling. Just to be on the safe side, Matron Harris notified the administrative committee of the hostel, who thought it appropriate to meet immediately. They needed to discuss these oddities and try to establish a logical explanation. After a great deal of discussion and some fairly wild conjectures, the committee thought it advisable to notify the police. In an establishment where death is commonplace, this was a most unusual step and created quite a stir amongst the residents. Already intrigued by constant comings and goings, those sitting by the window in the dining room ready for the evening meal were privileged to see a police car drive up to the side car park. I wonder if there has been an accident. The wax they put on these floors is a positive death trap, said Mr Maloney, who was always something of a pessimist. His dinner companion, Mrs Rawson, was finding it hard to stay awake. Even so, she trembled with excitement. Oh, it's exciting, isn't it? I've never been so close to a police car before. I think I'm going to... I think, I think I'm really going to enjoy 
I think I'm going to really enjoy living here. She managed to continue with, before finishing in a big yawn with her head slumping down on her chest. A Detective Colin Marsh stayed in the office with Matron for well over an hour. He asked her about nursing procedures and then he examined the duty books. He wanted to know who was on duty the previous evening, how much experience she had, what medication Jack was on and what was actually administered. This would be checked against the drug inventory. Then he examined Jack's room. Once back at the station, Detective Marsh went into action and just a few telephone calls later rang Matron Harris and said they thought it best to have a special, discreet inquiry regarding the circumstances surrounding the demise of the late Jack Rails. There would probably have to be an autopsy. In fact, poor Jack would become a far more important person in death than he ever had whilst living. Matron was not too happy, of course. Rules had been broken, and Matron Harris did not like rules being broken. She flicked open the operations manual, which was on her desk. It clearly stated that, At no time should any personal gain emanate from associations between staff and residents. This rule had clearly been breached by Nurse Robbins, who stood to gain quite a considerable sum of money from her association with Jack Rails. Whether or not the staff member had been aware of her inheritance or not would be of significant interest. It was now apparent that the home would be under close scrutiny for a while, and this would upset the routine. Matron Harris did not like strangers walking around her home either. It got the residents curious and excited. She checked the duty roster. Nurse Robbins was due back in four days, but that could be changed. Yes, there would be quite a few changes made, come to think of it. If a new broom was needed, then Matron Harris was the one to use it. Whilst enjoying a calming cup of chamomile tea, idly thumbed through the Employment Wanted section of the local paper. There was a surprising good choice of nurses available. Male nurses too. Thinking about it, male nurses would be useful for all the heavy lifting, Female staff were getting very particular about back strain and their rights. Matron Harris did not hold with nurses having rights. She looked at her watch. 30 minutes before medication distribution. Just enough time to make a few telephone calls. She picked up the phone. She was feeling better already. Nurse Mary Robbins was feeling good too. It had been a lovely day with Mother and she could enjoy the next three days simply reading, walking and gardening. Simple but nice activities, which would leave her refreshed for work. She had a smile on her face as she went to answer the telephone, which was replaced by a frown when she heard Matron Harris's voice. The frown deepened when she heard the knock on the door, and deepened further still when she saw two policemen standing there. Apparently, the grey areas of ethics were being questioned, and a good many people were interested in Mary's answers. You have been listening to A Matter of Ethics, written by Brianda Cross and read by Trevor Bell and Brianda Cross. If you would like more information about our dramatised short stories, please go to fastfictionpodcasts.com. Alternatively, try the Facebook page and maybe give us a like. Thank you. (laughs) 